Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Lovely to see you all. Um, for those who haven't been to Cornerstone before, if you haven't, my name's Neil, uh, one of the pastors here. Lovely to have you. Um, just a couple of things to talk about. I'm going to be doing the offering talk in a minute, but also just a couple of announcements. One is um, a very sad announcement. Um, Marilyn, one of our long-term members and very, very involved and helpful person in this church, has lost her husband um, recently. Most of you will probably know, but uh, the funeral is this Wednesday here at 10 a.m. So if you're free to come and you'd love to come and support Marilyn and the family at that time and just um, remember Les's life uh, during that time, uh, that's when that will be on. So, yeah, Marilyn, we are thinking of you. And, yeah, we just want to pray for the family now. Father, I just thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you that Les was a believer. Lord, that means he's gone to an eternal home, Father God, and, and death has lost its sting. But Father, still hurts for us. So Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name, just a comfort on Marilyn now and her family, Father. We just pray that you just fill her with your spirit, Lord God, and the comfort of the Holy Ghost and, and look after that family in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so a couple other things we'll talk about. I'm actually going to be taking holidays in May. I'll still be at church, but um, we're going to be having what we call like, it's not a missional month because we're going to be starting about halfway through May, um, just really talking about how we naturally share the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us and, and just that awareness of um, how we do it, awareness of our neighbours, our friends, what's a good way to do that that's not you know, that doesn't seem scary. And Isaac Broad will be bringing the messages mainly for that. Uh, but we're also going to be having connect groups linking in with that. So if you're in a connect group currently, the connect groups will be also doing that during that series time and talking about things, uh, praying for neighbours, just, you know, having that practical side of, of us coming together and talking about it. If you're not in a connect group, we will be um, looking for people that are willing to host a connect group in their home um, and just for that period of time, which will be about four weeks, maybe five, um, where you'd have people over to your home and you'd be talking about what we've been doing on a Sunday and, and just going practically through that. So please pray about whether maybe God might be talking to you about doing that and you've been thinking, you know, love to meet with some people, um, not sure where I can connect. Maybe you can be the one who opens your home for that. So uh, that's coming up in May. All right, so offering talk. It's interesting during the week. Uh, does everyone know what the golden rule is? Does anyone know it? Yeah? Do unto others before they do to you? <laughs> no. Do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you, basically. That's it. Jesus said it. Um, in, in his Sermon on the Mount, that was what they call the golden rule, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And I was thinking about that in terms of my life to God. You know, we talk about, um, you know, obviously there's also another passage that talks about you reap what you sow, okay, and, and God's not mocked in that. But I was like, so God, does that mean how I am with my giving to you? That I'm saying this is how I want to be treated? do unto others as you want them to do unto you, or, or how I'm treating other people, how I spend my time, how I spend my thought life. What is it that I'm like as a person, God? Am I actually generous? Like, 
Am I a person that's like generous in my time, my, my giving to people, my giving to you? Am I generous? Because if that's what I'm like, according to Jesus' golden rule, do unto others as you would like done unto you. Does that make sense? And I was sitting there going, that makes me think, <laughs> you know. God, where am I? Where's my heart in what everything that I do? If I actually looked at my life and I was like, okay, what you do, Neil, is what you're hoping for back. Now, I'm not saying we do it to get stuff back, but it's like God was just speaking, saying, what happens to you is a reflection of yourself. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Make sure I get that right. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your, your goodness today. And I thank you, Father God, that you've given us everything that we need. Lord, I pray we would be mindful of how we are and how we treat other people, how we treat you, Father God, because, Lord, that is a reflection of, of what we would like done to us, hopefully. Lord, help us to just look at that rule and listen to it and live our lives for you. Uh, this morning as we give, we just pray, Lord God, that you would just take whatever it is Multiply it for your kingdom's work, and we thank you so much for everything you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Okay, so as mentioned, we have a guest speaker today, and this is him leaning on the door over there casually. Um, this is David Turnbull, and he's come to talk to us about global interaction, but also to bring our message today, and he'll explain what global interaction is, and he's also happened to be a lecturer at Tabor Bible College, which is where I went, and he was one of my uh, teachers. Was I the pet? <laughs> I don't think so. But no, it was... <laughs> they're all pets, okay. So, yeah, but it's really lovely to have him along today. Um, and I know he has a wealth of wisdom and really, uh, in terms of cultural things, excellent. I uh, loved the lectures myself. And you are very blessed to be able to listen to him this yeah. morning. So, David, I'll hand it over to you. Great. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be with you. Finally reached this auditorium, having heard so much from Neil over the years with what was happening at Cornerstone. It's great also that we're connected to Christ crucified. Interesting, through the songs, how much blessing there is that we have. Peace, healing, restoration, right? That comes through our relationship with Jesus. This morning as we look at God's word, it reminds me that over 40% of the world's population do not have access to hearing what Jesus actually offers us. And that's an incredible challenge for us in the Christian community um, still, that 40% of the world don't get an opportunity to hear about this Jesus that we've been singing about this morning. Just introduce myself a little bit. I'm the State Director for Global Interaction for, S for South Australia and Northern Territory. But I've been spent most of my life around mission, growing up in Papua New Guinea, uh, where my parents were tent makers, which ultimately took my own journey to move my family to Nigeria in West Africa, training pastors and leaders to head into the Muslim north. Most of you have probably heard of Boko Haram. A lot of my 
people that I was training in Nigeria headed up into that region. But due to our son having disability issues, we had to come home after only a year there. And God, I thought was the end of, that was the end of my mission journey. But God brought me to South Australia, where I've been now 22 years teaching and training people to engage interculturally, not just overseas, but in Australia. And again, it reminds me that God has a plan for our lives as we make ourselves vulnerable and open to what God wants to do with us. You know, mission is a core part of, the, of being Baptist. Uh, there's a good, good website called Core Values for Baptists. They've identified four. One of those focuses on mission. I won't ask who's looked at the site because it's probably little known. But if you want to have a look at what it means to be Baptist, have a look at this site. Because it opens up that the heart of being Baptist is mission. And it's great that you're going to have this focus with Neil in May and, and through June a little bit around reaching your own community. Because at the heart of who we are is being blessed to be a blessing. Passing on that blessing that we've been talking about. You know, global interaction is part of this Baptist heritage in global mission, not just local mission. Now, some of you um, will know of William Carey. Uh, if I ask the children if they had heard about William Carey, can I encourage you to ask your mum and dad? Who is William Carey? I grew up on his biography, and that was one of the influences on my life. I have William in my name, and my parents named me after William Carey. So no wonder I'm in mission. <laughs> but kids, ask your parents, who is William Carey? He was just a shoemaker, or even not just a shoemaker. He was a cobbler in Whitby, caught up with James Cook and his adventures in the Pacific and realised there was a wider world. And as a result of looking at his scriptures and finding uh, Matthew 28, as you go into the world, you know, go to the nations. And so he followed that and went to India. And that started the Baptists in terms of global mission. And so we're in this heritage um, today. Now for Australia, Australian Baptists got involved in 1865, a long time ago, isn't it? 1865. And it wasn't until 1882 when these five women headed out to East Bengal. Several of them were from Flinders Street Baptist in South Australia. And that was the real beginning of Australian Baptists getting involved in global mission. So these women went out into that region and over now over 2,000 plus people have gone through that movement over the 140 years um, who have given their lives for long-term service to pass that blessing on. Today we are working amongst nine of the least reached people groups that we have identified. These are groups, people groups in Southern Africa, in Asia and Southeast Asia. But these groups have received probably less than 3% of all cross-cultural workers that the church sends. Only about 1% of their mission finances are spent on reaching these people. 
These people do not have access to a Christian witness and are not Christian and probably won't have a chance to hear the word of God. And these, as I said, represent part of the 40% that do not get to hear the gospel. So global interaction have chosen to work amongst these groups in the Buddhist and the Muslim world. Today, out of South Australia and Northern Territory, we have six couples and families who are in, and singles who are involved uh, in work in Cambodia, um, Thailand, Malawi, and Southeast Asia. So this is part of the SANT family that indirectly you're participating with and is part of your commu wider community. Um, you may have seen some of these people. Some of these will get featured in Belonging People. Um, but this is part of our family. In a white, and there's obviously an, another 60 to 80 who are in the Australian family at, the pre at present. So we're going to play you an animation, hot off the press. It's only about a week old. That helps you to understand what are we doing and how do we approach moving into these least reached people groups, you know, which I trust will help to think about what does that mean for you as you journey alongside the communities of Palmerston and Howard Springs. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you want me to... Alongside. Alongside we work, collaborate and celebrate. Laugh, cry and dance. We live as neighbours and become friends. We share stories and we pray. We go. We do this out of an innate drive, a deep sense of purpose. Global Interaction has had a distinctive calling for nearly 140 years. 140 years of partnering with Australian Baptists to share God's love for the world through word and deed. And the fruit of our efforts are vibrant faith communities following Jesus in their own distinctive ways. We are spirit-led, humbly contextualising the good news in every place we go. And just as Jesus did, we use common language and parables, everyday events, creatively retelling the gospel stories. Because we are storytellers who embody the gospel and believe the Holy Spirit will reveal truth in ways that make sense to all that hear. You see, we invite people to meet Jesus just as they are without having to adopt the traditions of the Western way of church. From the Buddhist monk reading the Bible without workers to the Muslim woman baptised in her hijab, we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what it looks like to follow Jesus in their own ways. And in many ways, we are humble students as we invest in learning local language, customs, culture and traditions. And by doing so, we are naturally invited to journey alongside, sharing the lives of individuals and their families. Authentic relationships in the communities God calls us to. We see the one and believe for the many, and our hope is to leave a legacy that will last well beyond us. Faith communities upon faith communities, sparked by new believers, and where homegrown leaders are raised up to share the good news in ways we probably couldn't even imagine. 
and it couldn't happen without you. Australian Baptists, individuals like you coming alongside, journeying, supporting and praying. Partner in our work today, knowing your investment will make an eternal difference. Seeing vibrant faith communities following Jesus in their own distinctive ways. Thank you. Hopefully that just gives you a taste. And what we're seeing in these groups, these Muslim and Buddhist groups, are people who are finding Jesus. Particularly in the Muslim world, through dreams. Um, But it's a long journey to get there. But we are seeing progress. As we, as a wider Baptist movement, care for these people to encounter Jesus. And we're seeing fruit. So as I come to God's word this this morning, I'll just let let us pray. Father, I pray that as we reflect on what you are calling us to, what you, you have blessed us to be a blessing. Father, give us some wisdom and insight from your word this morning that can empower us and encourage us in our walk. In your name we pray. Amen. As you saw from that video... Mission is relational. Mission is journeying alongside. So our workers in their overseas context move into a community, live amongst the people, whether it's a village um, or an urban centre, but build relationships. But in building relationships, they're actually having to encounter difference. Right? They're being faced with things that wouldn't normally be part of their world if they had remained in Australia. Whether it's beliefs like Buddhism or Islam, whether it's different types of housing and accommodation, or maybe even different types of food. Now, I know the kids are in here as well. And, you know, for those who are in Cambodia, does any of the kids know what is a delicacy that we would not eat here? Any of the kids? Okay, I'll tell you kids. And you can ask your mum to put it on lunch menu. Fried spiders. (laughs) Fried spiders. So that's a delicacy. You know, in my experience, it was drinking fermented millet in Nigeria, which was a delicacy at, at, at weddings and key functions. Right, so our workers, then in building relationships, are actually having to process difference right, in so many ways. And when the believers from those communities come to Christ, there's going to be some different things for them as they encounter Christ. So part of mission is us learning to manage difference and diversity. And it's not a topic that we normally talk about, but in mission, it's something we've got to confront. A good, vibrant community, and that is a theme for us this year within Global Interaction, is seeing vibrant communities in Australia and overseas. And one of the key features of that is the capacity to address diversity. Now, if you look at Australia at the moment, Australia is probably not 
coping well with diversity. <laughs> right? We look at the, what happens on social media. We look at management of some social issues. We look at um, Christians in the public arena and how they're treated. Right? We look at within, even within our own community how we deal with theological differences. Right? If we're in people on the move in mission, we're going to have to encounter and process diversity. We're going to have to learn to engage in that space. We're going to have to learn to move out of our comfort zone of what we're familiar with, what our tendencies are, what we expect of people. We need to start thinking about what does that mean so that we can ensure that there are not barriers to them to finding Jesus. Right? Not to see them seeing them as barriers to coming to encounter Jesus. And this is, I think, an important aspect for us around openness and acceptance to difference. And I want to just highlight quickly from Acts 15, if you have your Bibles with you, or some of you will be on their phones, and I know I get looks every now and then when I look at my Bible on the phone, people think you're playing on the phone, but actually you're reading Scripture. <laughs> Um, but the Jerusalem church was confronted with this, right? Because the Jerusalem church, having gone through Pentecost, having seen transformation in lives, were suddenly finding themselves hearing of the message of Jesus going beyond, beyond just the Jewish community. It was going in amongst the Gentiles, all the other people groups in, around the Mediterranean basin. And so they were suddenly confronted, as we see in verses 1 to 5 of chapter 15. And you see in verse 1, certain people came down from Judah to Antioch and were teaching the believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Straight away, on mission, here is a potential barrier to Gentiles coming to Christ. Right? They all are expecting... This group of people were expecting the Gentiles to be just like a Jew and be circumcised, which would have been very difficult for Gentile men in particular <laughs> to actually do that. Um, but it was a sign for them of their culture, to, you know, influencing what they expected of the other. So this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute in verse 2 and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So here's the Jerusalem church willing to tackle a question of diversity. They were willing to confront it. And so when they came up, as we see again in verse 5, then some of those believers reiterated that circumcision. And in verse 6, the apostles and elders met to consider the question. What a great community that were prepared to confront and explore before God this question around a cultural feature that would have been a barrier to the Jews, sorry, to the Gentiles becoming Christian. So, what happened in this meeting? Because actually, this meeting is transformational for the Jerusalem church because. It allowed the Gentiles in, which includes us. If this de decision went the other way and remained Jewish, 
the church would have probably died out. And we would not have had that opportunity to have heard. So the wisdom of this council is very significant for us as we think about how we manage dealing with difference when we're in mission and as we engage the communities that we're in. So there's a few speakers, and I'm not going to go through all of them this morning, but you might want to just reflect on them. But the key speaker for me was Peter. Think of Peter's journey. Peter was the one who denied Jesus, which we sort of explored a few weeks ago with Easter. And how God transformed him at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit coming on upon him and the transformation in his leadership of the believers that were remained in Jerusalem after that event. But Peter was still very Jewish. And it's not until Acts 10 that we realise something that God did in Peter's life. He transformed his heart through a dream. A dream to challenge his Jewishness to actually engage the Gentiles. Little did Peter know that God had a plan in place, and I love God doing this. This is just God joining a cry from a Roman centurion who was seeking, how he was seeking, we do not know, but he was obviously talking to God. God knew his heart, but he needed the Jews to reach out to him. So God put in a plan which involved the transformation of Peter. So the next day after the dreams, Peter received this knock on the door and this invitation to go to the Roman centurion's house. And Peter said, yep, I'll go. 48 hours before, he probably would have said no. What happened? The spirit transformed his heart to see the place of the Roman centurion and the Gentiles. And Peter went out of his comfort zone, knowing he was breaking the rules around engaging Gentiles, which had an implication on purity, on cleanliness, etc. And there were a whole lot of practices that they had to do to correct that if they had broken those. So Peter knew the consequences of going into this Roman centurion's home. But Peter obeyed and, and went in. And when he came back to Jerusalem, having seen the centurion and his household come to Christ... The Jews in Jerusalem said, why did you do that? You idiot. <laughs> you know, what are you doing that for? You don't do that. And so Peter had to sit down and explain what God had done. And by the end of it, the people in Jerusalem said, ah, we understand. We catch the vision. So here's the guy talking at this council, having had all those experiences and we pick up in um, verse 8, God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? So there's a real recognition here by Peter of this yoke that was potentially going to be put on Gentiles, create this barrier. But what's Peter's answer in verse 11? In verse 11, um, 
No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. It's not through a particular action. So in a sense, Peter's saying, let's remove that barrier. It's just by the grace of God that we are saved, just as they are. Wow. You, seem, you would have probably heard a pin drop in that room listening to Peter, Peter say that. So here's Peter taking on Jesus' perspective and recognising it's by grace that you were saved, not by actions or cultural features. So that's the first one, taking on Jesus' perspective can help us. Second set of speakers were Paul and Barnabas who were talking about the signs and wonders. And Paul, as we know, engaged the Gentiles incredibly well. And so he just told them what was happening. So there was a recognition that God was at work amongst the Gentiles. Let's honour that. Let's praise that. The next key speaker was actually James. And this is significant because he was a quiet one in Jerusalem. But what he says is profound. He was sort of the last one to speak. You know how everyone hangs back in a meeting and just observes and listens and so he then comes in to speak um, in verse 13. James spoke up, brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophet. So here James goes to the prophets, which in this case, the passage that he uses is from Amos. And so here, James is actually using scripture to help discern how to process this cultural dilemma that was facing the church. Great tool for us to be thinking about how do we see diversity through scripture. Now, in those days, they didn't have the Old Testament. It was the prophets, the Pentateuch, the Psalms, the history books. So it wasn't quite the way that we have it today. But he still, James was knowledgeable enough to still quote it. And having reached the end of his speech, he says this, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Right? Let's not put up further barriers to people coming to, to Christ. What can we do to enable them to encounter Christ. And so they were prepared to do something different than their own cultural perspective to make that happen. And so he then went on to propose their way, and and that was writing a letter. A letter that was sent to all Gentile believers. And in this letter, it says from verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, right? So here they were meeting together, listening to different voices with the Holy Spirit speaking and it's a community decision that we should not burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. But if you have a look at this requirements and think, is this inclusion? It actually are dealing with things that were not God-honouring. Right? As a believer, they were elements of their practices that had implications on their worship and on their following of God. 
and they were encouraged to be transformed in those areas as a result of encountering Christ. That was abstaining from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. So these were practices that were against what God was stood for. And so they were encouraging them to be transformed in, in those areas. But it did not stop them from becoming a believer. What a great day in the life of the church. And that probably took a few days, maybe, I think, by the time everyone had travelled. But the meeting and the discussion, we have a short summary of it. But here they made the decision to not put a barriers up against the Gentiles becoming part of the kingdom of God. You know, that's a challenge for us as we think about diversity. And I want to just share two examples, two examples that highlight this in a contemporary context. It takes, they take us out of our comfort zone a little bit because they are different. But I'm a strong believer in thinking that the global, what is happening overseas, can inform our local. It's not to copy, but what are the principles and the practices that follow on? And on the slide here, you have Loi Kratong, which is a festival in Thailand. Every year, they put out these boats on any piece of water, whether it's a river, a harbour, a lake. And this is them cleansing themselves, sort of pushing aside their sins of the last year, the bad things they had done, and trying to seek cleansing by putting them out. And so, the, the, you know, this is what all ties do. And our believers, out of our ministry and engagement in Thailand, felt they wanted to still be part of it, right? But they have done something really different to highlight it. And hopefully you can see that in the image. So they were prepared to participate in that festival, acknowledge their sin and the things against God but they put on their little floats the cross as the cross is the way to actually deal with those things so they were actually participating in the community rather than just staying off somewhere else they were actually engaged in their community but found a way to still communicate Christ and try to remove some of the barriers to ties coming to Christ. Another example, another example is from Malawi, where one of our workers was trying to tell the prodigal son story to some local women. And she was getting through the story and then realizing, oh dear, I don't think they're understanding what I'm understanding. <laughs> Their focus became the pigs. Their focus became the pigs. Right? She'd gone in prepared about the sun and um, her things because the our woman, the story was about parenting. Why, for our worker, it was about repentance and rebellion. Even the pigs were not seen as real pigs. They were understood to represent evil spirits of anger, hate and fear. Had the story continued, the Yao woman would have believed that the older brother, consumed with jealousy, would have ended up with the pigs, haunted by the evil spirits. 
Bit of a conflict, bit of a different perspective. So there was some good discussion and the the Yao woman took lessons from the story. But our worker reminded her of the importance of recognising her own cultural worldview as she grows in the understanding of the Yao. Coping with difference (laughs) and learning to engage so as not to create barriers to the gospel. It's a real challenge difference for us, isn't it? And our expectations around it. And I want to encourage us as we process our, the concerns we have with those around us is to try to remain in step with God and God's purposes as highlighted in this passage through Jesus, the Holy Spirit and others. I trust that as we engage in mission, in global interaction and deal with difference, that as you engage in your community, we will learn to to be able to be live with difference and li- engage it in a way as not to create barriers. If you want to know more about this, you can have a look through our publications, through getting involved, um, through our website, and there's a number of ways that you can do it. For some of you, this will be a new organisation in your community, um, so feel free to have a look at our website. I've got some literature out the out the back for you. Our key communication is our fortnightly um, news and prayer uh, which you can subscribe to from online because learning learning and praying is helping us to build that missional mindset for our local context and we have a couple of publications as well if you want to register for those um, to again keep up with some of the stories because God is an amazing God God is not confined by difference God's actually breaking through in the Buddhist and in the Muslim world. Month May is our traditional month of mission and as I said, we're focusing on what it means to be a vibrant community. And I featured on one aspect, but there are some other aspects of that that you might like to explore. May you become a vibrant community where we can sit down and discern with each other, with the Holy Spirit, you know, those questions around diversity that challenge us in order that we can find ways to see people encounter Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have accepted us. Right? You've accepted us. Help us to accept others and to work with difference and be able to find ways through so as not to create barriers. Father, you penetrate those barriers, but help us to be good mediums. Help us to be modelling that acceptance we've received to others. Father, help us to find ways to see people encounter Christ and find Christ through the barriers. In your name we pray. Amen.